Hi, welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. This week I present a special episode of the show. It's the first of a three-part reminiscence of perhaps comics' greatest biographer and historian, Bill Shelley. Bill passed away from cancer on September 12th at the age of 67. Bill was a mentor to me and someone I really looked up to, so I wanted to pay Bill the tribute he deserves. A couple weeks ago, Fanagraphics Books editor Gary Groth, last KISS writer John Lustig, and I got together at Gary's office at Fanagraphics to discuss Bill's life well lived. This recording, slightly over an hour, and edited down from about two hours, was a moving tribute to the man, a sort of celebration of what made Bill so wonderful and unique. I hope you enjoy. It starts right after this quick commercial. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, how do you how do you guys know Bill? Like, how did you learn? How did you? Well, I know knew yeah. Bill just from conventions, and you know, I, I don't know if you know, but I. I did Disney comics for many, many years, and did That's other right, things be- besides. And I'm last these last, I don't know, bunch of years I've been doing a web comic. But, um, but uh, about four or five years ago, Bill c- contacted me. He said he needed a movie buddy, and so we started going to movies <laughs> together. And I think That's the awesome. first one was one of the Planet of the Ape movies, mm-hmm. and. Uh, um, we got to be fairly good friends. Um, it was mostly around movies, but occasionally we'd get together for something else. A couple of years ago, he came over for um, Christmas. Um, oh, nice. And um, then when he got sick, um, I only live about a mile away from here, and so I'm real yeah, close right. away, close to his house, too. Yeah. And so I'd had a lot of help through some... Uh, troubles of my own and and I kind of wanted to pay forward and and help Bill and so I started going over a couple times a week to just kind of help him out. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's real friendship. Yeah, I didn't know him nearly as well as you did. Um, we had crossed paths a number of times at conventions. Yeah. Um, you know, I write my histories as well. So, um, we had talked about them at various times during the years. I interviewed him several times for my old online zine comic, comics bulletin. Um, we talked about Man of Rock and, um, the Kurtzman book, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then just a few months ago for the Warren book. Um, I've been to his house four or five times, I guess, not, as I said, nothing mm-hmm. like you. But um, I considered him, he was always so generous with his time mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so smart with his insights. I kind of consider him to be a friendly mentor to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, just someone who meant more, a lot more to me than the time I spent with him. Mm-hmm. When did you actually like meet? What was it? What was? Oh, the first time? Oh, geez, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I probably knew him for maybe 20 years okay. but but i didn't know him well until these last maybe four years okay you know i would just see him at a convention or something like that so. yeah 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 my story's very similar i think i met him maybe as much as 20 years ago <clears throat> yeah because we had similar interests and we'd chat but he was he was just always someone i i just had a nice 10 minute chat yeah. with right i mean i've got a lot of his early books the first 
you know, edition, I, I don't know where I would have gotten them, except I probably bought them from him at a convention, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't, to be honest, I wasn't always that interested in such and such fanzine, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I did not remember having any interactions with Bill until sometime in the 2000s, but mm -hmm. about six months ago, um, he brought over to my place um, a letter he wrote me in 1970. Okay. Oh. A really brutal critique <laughs> of my fanzine. <laughs> and specifically of my interviewing technique. Oh, okay. wow. Yeah. And he went on for like a couple of hours <laughs> telling me how terrible it was. And he brought it over, and we had a, you know, we had a good laugh. <laughs> and I don't remember ever getting, I mean, I probably did get it, you know. Right. Um, and I don't know if I answered it. I, I don't remember anything about it, but he definitely wrote it and oh, had a sure. copy of it. Sure. And, uh, you know, we, I remember us laughing about it, and he said, well, I guess I, guess I was wrong about that. <laughs> and I said, well, not then you weren't. <laughs> Yeah, because he was really a robust guy, you know. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Would waltz in here and sit in that chair you're sitting in, and, uh, and then bound out, you know, yeah. back to work. Maybe because of so him, it's a little, little yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> a little run down. That's <laughs> yeah, all Bill. It's all Bill. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that on the drive over. It's very appropriate. We'll be chatting in here, right, where he spent so much so much of his time. Yeah. It sounds like you have really fond memories of oh, just yeah, sitting here. Oh yeah, we had a good and... time. He would come over, um, you know, once or twice a month, often twice a month. And well, you know, he was very. You know, there was a formal aspect to Bill. Mm -hmm. Maybe part of this reserve. I don't, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know where this comes from. You know, um, but he would he would he would like make an appointment, mm -hmm. which as you might see from there, you know, we don't, we don't make that many appointments. You know, just come on over and. Then again, I just did and, that for today's thing, but that's a whole different. Uh, but you know, Bill could come over anytime you wanted to. Right. Just, um. But you know he would he would make sure you send me an email and. Yeah. Um, I love would, that anecdote about him always showing up for noir nights right on time. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And that that doorbell would ring at seven. Well, we we meet at the <laughs> Northgate Mall to uh, go to, to uh, and we meet at the little Starbucks in the down uh, the see the south end of the mall and then walk down to the theater and. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but. I could never, I think once I got there before he did, you know, I mean, he, he was always on time or early. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew with everybody else, uh, I had some latitude, you know, whether it was uh, <laughs> cooking or preparing food or whatever, you know, or just getting ready or whatever, but I knew Bill, he had no latitude, he was going to be there at seven. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, he would, um, he would often come in and, um, you know, when there was a book, in in production, he would come in and talk to our designer, and, and work work with them, uh, but then always come in here for a little while yeah, and yeah. tell me what was going on in his life. And we talked about you know Mario in here. I would always you know ask for updates and and, um, and yeah we you know it was it was a good vibe yeah. with Bill. I mean it was just you know how you're simpatico with certain people. Yeah. And, yeah. The exact opposite with other people, and you know, 
we became simpatico. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, Bill. I mean, Bill was a few years older than me. Um, you know, which back then. Yeah, you were kind of a bigger kid, difference. Right, you were kind of right, the kid right. of the group, right? What's that? You're kind of the kid among that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like the youngest one. Now I'm the oldest one. Um, <laughs> actually, so it I, feels. Actually, I think I bumped into you. Did you go to the 1976 uh, San Diego Comic Con? Um, probably. Yeah. Probably. It was somebody promoting comics journal. I mean, it was a very early version. Oh yeah, well, comics journal promoting it. That would have yeah. been me and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I went to seventy five, seventy five uh, for sure. Yeah, seventy. I probably went to most of the rest of them. Yeah, I'm seventy six was the first yeah. I went to. But you know, I, I skimmed Bill's autobiography, and um, and we shared. Uh, I think we shared a sense of isolation when we were in high school. Of course, you right. know, comics fandom is the perfect all, antidote to that. All of us did, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, because you find your tribe, and you know, you find all these people who right. love the same thing you do, and um, you know, we had that in we had that in common. I I, I I gather for different reasons, but we were still, you know, we were still odd men out, um, and you know, equally fanatical about it back mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. you know i mean that was my whole life i would just get i would wait for the bell to ring so i could get home and work on my fanzine and bill sounded like he was the same way Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. i can relate to that yeah yeah getting home from school every day and waiting to see what's waiting in the mailbox yeah yeah hoping for a couple zines oh, and yeah. some letters and the, and the mail was like a miracle you know because i mean you get the mail every day and you never knew what, what what you were going to get, whether it was a fanzine you ordered or, um, you know, letters about your own fanzine or whatever. And that mm -hmm. was just a lifeline. Well, and, and Shooter has a Shelley connection, too. Yes, he yes, does. He does. Uh, yeah. Augmented, I, I, Jesus. Um, and, and in fact, we can probably get into this later on. Uh, he actually supplied some Jim Shooter fanzine pages to include in the Shooter book. So Shooter had done your shooter book, my shooter book. Huh. Shooter had done a cover and several pages for um, one of Bill's fanzines, and right. you know the, the work has never been seen. I don't think it's reprinted in the Golden Age of Comics fandom book. Um, Did they collaborate on a comic? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the story is that Mort refused to allow him to uh, do a fanzine work yeah. because he was taking away from his DC work. Um, and uh, I mentioned it to Bill, and he said. Oh, I have these scan. I have this, this old zine. You want me to send you some scans? And he sent me like four or five pages of scans to include. Mm -hmm. He said, "Just give me a comp copy, and I'll be happy." Yeah, yeah. Um, They're probably exactly the same age. Yeah, very nearly. Yeah, yeah. Because he talks about him also in Sense mm -hmm. of Wonder. He, mm -hmm. he uh, called him up out of the phone book. Right, right. And they were they they visited a couple times. Sounds like he shooter has few more problems than Bill's family had. <laughs> well, they had shooter. <laughs> and, and I've been thinking about Bill a lot, partially because he was a friend and, and I just listened to his book and I knew we were going to be talking today. And uh, But I've been thinking a lot about him. And I sounds so weird, but I actually think his life may have been his greatest work of art. Mm -hmm. um, he was so balanced, and he 
he uh, in his memoir he talks about how he wanted to be a, a comic artist realized he was not going to be good enough mm -hmm. and decided to get <clears throat> get a day job and he did that for years but he kept at a certain point he reconnected with comic fanzine mm -hmm. comics uh and and he followed his passion at the same time he he balanced that he got his his financial base down unlike so many of us he was, and, he, i think bill was very pragmatic and he was he was able to sit and he had back. to be pragmatic to do what he did right he even talks about buying a house that was properly affordable for him right yeah, he lived well within his means. I mean, I don't know what his means were, but um, right. he, my but impression he was so that focused. He was, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, now, you, you you guys would probably know this better than I did, but my my impression or my understanding was that he worked for a local government agency for mm -hmm. many many years. Small business administration. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So he talks about kind of working it, a whole series of kind of scattered jobs that didn't really amount to much. And then he got involved in the surety insurance industry right. okay. and worked for a few small firms in the Seattle area. This would be mid-1970s, I believe. Mm -hmm. You read the same I book guess. I did, so... Um, I, uh, I'm trying to remember. Because he never chatted about any of this with me. Um, and that uh, basically through a series of job changes, he had ended up having a good contact at the SBA and he went over SBA, there and worked right, there for many right. years. Um, and but, but each... But each move was very logical the way yeah. he did it. And, I mean, everything he did seemed to be very logical, yeah. very targeted. Uh, yeah. It, it, it was amazing. And I, I right. compare it to my life where I'm just kind of ping-ponging yeah, right. around. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's exactly how I felt also. Right. Yeah. Um, but, he, but he also had to be disciplined. That's right. In order to have this job, how long did he work at the uh, SBA? Close to twenty years, yeah. something around he had a twenty years. Pension or something, didn't he? Yeah. They gave him an early, yeah. So something. as as he he talks about how he retired at age sixty, um, he was planning on working to sixty two, so he'd get early social security, and then they gave him a, a basically a long time employee buyout. Yeah, yeah. So he was he went, able to leave. Right, with, he went uh, to his uh, went to his accountant, and I said. Well, maybe we you could retire at sixty because he was having stress at work and so forth, and and yeah, they, indeed they could, and they had the early buyout. So pragmatic, right? I, yeah. I'm not enjoying myself at work. Can I just get out of here? Right, right. But, uh, but, that's but what, enduring that for as long as he needed to, right, mm -hmm. before he retired. Now, but, you know, if I did that, I, I would go completely out of my mind. I know. I mean, I couldn't do that. I mean, which is why I did what I did, but, you know. But you mean, Bill, you mean but, leaving Fantagraphics or working another job and doing working, something? Working, you know, working you know, a government service. agency or yeah. I mean, just some, you know, office mm -hmm. bureaucratic job, which, right. I, which I don't think Bill really, you know, invested himself in. He did, it was a job. He went to work every day and he did the work and no doubt he did it competently, but he didn't care. About, I mean, he didn't care deeply about it, mm -hmm. um, but he did it. In, in order so that he could retire and do what he wanted to do. And that requires an enormous amount of discipline and it foresight. Does. I, I think somewhere in there, uh, in the book, he describes actually enjoying the people and, and so forth at, at some point. Uh, it was only towards the end that things got bad. But 
my sense from talking to people who actually live a logical life and have a nine-to-five job and do comics on the side is is it's kind of it's kind of great to have something where you can just shut your brain off and you're not yeah. struggling so yes. there may have been some of that at the same time uh, I don't know I can't remember at what point certainly by the late 80s he was uh, um, back doing uh, comic oriented stuff so he was pursuing his passion on the, on yeah. the side yeah I think a, a, it really got sparked when he started working again with Roy mm-hmm. with the revival of Alter Ego mm-hmm. in the first few issues of Comic Book Artist because right. Roy set him up as an associate editor and then he was also very proud about contributing to so many issues of Alter Ego. Right, right. Yeah. But yeah, it seems a lot of it with Bill was that he kind of drifted away and right. then came back and discovered there were all these old friends and companions who he had missed over the years. And that reconnecting really sparked this whole second life for him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because he, he, judging the way he talks about his life, he seems like he was adrift. Yeah. a lot of the 1970s at least mm-hmm. and then getting back in touch with a lot of his I th- old friends I think he was just ex- I, th- I think I'm glad you brought that up I think it, it's, 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 it's really important that he did drift away because I think he came back stronger and more mature than if he maybe if he'd stuck with it the whole time but uh, yeah, he, I think I think he was just experiencing life and what yeah. being an adult was and mm-hmm. being on his own did, did he write the Harry Langdon book uh, when he was in this uh, comics wilderness, when he wasn't in, involved It was in before before he got back into comics, wasn't it? I I'm think trying so, to, yeah. So he still had an extracurricular activity. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I'm trying to... Re- yes, he started working on it in 1980. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. He would have been out Long of before the comics out, work yeah, had comics. come up, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's interesting that he... First edition came out in 82, three years in the always, making. He okay. said in the book he always wanted to do something creative. Yeah. yeah I'll just, he just kind of put it on a shelf for a few years. Yeah. After he had been rejected at the, New, uh, at the convention. Yeah, whatever. At, at some New York yeah. event. Yeah. So he had brought Phil, his... Uh, Phil uh, Suling, uh, Yeah, convention. exactly. He brought his art supplies up yeah. and yeah. Vince Coletta rejected him. <laughs> you can't get much more than Vince Coletta rejection. And then Bill Dubay, who we had known in fandom, <laughs> said, uh, we can offer you a job at Warren, but it's only going to pay 100 bucks a week, and you can't live on that. So yeah. go back where you came from. <laughs> well, That's funny. I I mean, Bill, I mean, I'm a writer or not an artist, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't think Bill would have been happy as, as an artist uh, long term. I don't think, I don't know that he would have made it. Well, I don't think he was good enough to be. No, and, and I think he would acknowledge yeah. that. Yeah, he drew for yeah. fun. I mean, that's that's a fun for sure. Springsteen, yeah, but sure, yeah. But that's different than doing comics. Yeah. Well, that's it. No, man. he found his real calling. No, I mean, I, absolutely. And yeah, and he had good reason to be happy with his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Particularly through the books uh, he did with you, and yeah. plus his memoir. I think he had an incredible run those last few years. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely. Mean, unbelievable. I mean, he was just going, I'm going to be doing this book and this book and this. And go, oh, you're you're having trouble getting your book out. I mean, my, are you making you feel bad? You know, <laughs> you know, and that's the kind of person Bill was. He was always concerned on 
how you were doing in, in a way. Well, he treated the writing, I think, as his second career. Oh, yeah. He reti- yeah. When he retired from the SBA, he seemed so happy to be able to plunge into this work full time. And he treated it like a career that he was mm-hmm. really interested in improving on, um, where he was really willing to put the work in, um, not just to do the research, but also to revise and to liven up his text. And, I mean, the difference between the first version of Sense of Wonder and the second is tremendous. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think we've all read at least most of his books, mm-hmm. and um, there definitely is an arc to the quality and mm-hmm. the insight and the research he brings to them. I think the Langdon book is fine, fine mm-hmm. book, um, but the uh, the level of research he brought to both the Warren and the Kurtzman books mm-hmm. is inspiring and a bit daunting. Yeah, yeah. As publisher, you want to take that? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think there's a clear trajectory of... of um of him improving himself and rising to the to each task and Kurtzman was I think the the summit mm-hmm. um, and I think I think the Warren biography is terrific mm-hmm. uh, but Warren isn't Kurtzman so right you know it, it could only be so good um, and I think he needed Warren he needed a break from the heaviness of Kurtzman and the burden of, do, of of writing the biography of one of the greatest cartoonists of the 20th century, mm-hmm. uh, and Warren provided him that respite from that that you know that level. Um, but yeah, the Kurtzman book. Well, he did that. Where, where did the John Stanley book fall? Was that it? It was after, after, was that right before it, Kurtzman or right after? Kurtzman? It was after Kurtzman because uh, yes, right. I, I think he was finishing up. Kurtzman book when we started getting we started getting together or it was in the midst maybe the latter part of it but he was thinking about what the next book would be and I and I actually suggested Carl Barks and that didn't work out for various reasons he mentioned that to me yeah Carl Barks and and then I suggested John Stanley and uh, uh, not his best-selling book but i think yeah. it was an important book to have done and yeah and he did it was an easier book to do and yeah because there was so little right. to dig up about john stanley right. uh it was more manageable um yeah the john the john stanley book there i mean there was i think the reason he didn't do the carl barks book is because um there wasn't enough you couldn't find enough new material about barks there was somebody I mean, who would, could have provided that. He would be assimilating all the stuff that's right. already out there, and he couldn't find anything new, and he just felt that wouldn't be There was satisfying. somebody who could have done that, provided him with new material, but we, he couldn't get that person to Is that right? up, up and up. Do you think there's anything to the idea that the Kurtzman book was, he felt the way of the world, writing a book about someone as important as Kurtzman, and maybe he'd feel the same pressure writing about Barks? I don't think Which so. is not to say anything negative about Stanley. No, I I think the problem with Barks is that there's so much had been known. I think you're right about that. Um, Yeah, and he would just be collating it it together. And, and, you know, he wanted to find new material, which is what he did with Kurtzman. And, 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 you know, what he did with Kubert, um, and certainly what he did with Warren as well. And, And even with Stanley, as little as there was to find, he did find new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he contacted um, Stanley's son, son right. and got some 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 information and visual material from him. I think Barks was a harder nut to crack. 
Yeah. But you know, but I understand he was working out. He he, he was at least flirting with a Steve Ditko. That's what I heard. Biography. Mm. That would have been fantastic. That yeah, would it would have been it would have been good. I can't think of anyone else who could write as good a biography as Bill. At the I moment. wouldn't trust anyone else to write a biography that would be kind of as free as bias free mm-hmm. of biases mm-hmm. as Bill would create. Mm-hmm. Either pro Marvel or anti objectivist or whatever take you might yeah. have on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Bill was very care- real, real careful about about that, about being as neutral as possible. Yeah, we were talking about that before you came in, and uh, uh, I used to be a lifetime ago. I used to be a newspaper reporter, and so I really appreciated both his his digging into you know getting yeah. and and getting firsthand sources and his object, you know, just running down the line, not putting his own opinion in. Yeah, it's hard. It's much harder to do than people realize. Right, right. Yes, yeah. That's a, certainly I've something I've run into in my own writing. <clears throat> it's really hard to do with Ditko. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whether you were pro or con. Right, right, no. right. There's just yeah. There's just so much complexity to the man. Um, to Ditko or. To, to Ditko. Right. Or maybe I it's I simplicity. It maybe it is simplicity. simplicity I'm just going to stay out of that one. <laughs> you, so you fall in the camp that says it, it's like the this Garbo type glamour around uh, him, but if we were to dig a little well, deeper, he is who he seems to be. Yeah, I would have to say so. I mean, that. Well, I know the work that Bill was actively yeah. working on was the American Comic Book Chronicles yeah. 45 to 49. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, from what I understand, his notes were very extensive and extraordinarily detailed. Um, have either of you read the 50s book that he did as part of the series? Got, I've got a copy. I, I've kind of thumbed through. I haven't, you know, read page, I'm in the, page. I'm in the same situation. Yeah. I have a copy and I haven't read it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have written I know two and a half know. volumes of that, basically, because I wrote half of the which, 80s. Which years? Uh, I wrote 70s, uh, two and a half chapters of the 80s, and then a lot of editing in that, and I wrote all of the 90s volume. Wow. Wow. You are that a real glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> we could say the same thing about Bill, right? Yeah. Um, all of us. Well, the, yeah. and, and the, the, we can go off on a, all kinds of tangents about why the '90s was so fascinating. Um, but strictly <laughs> speaking, as a as an intellectual exercise, yeah. it, it's 180,000 words of writing if you're going to do justice to the to the project, and there's just a lot of lot of detail that you need to get yeah. at. So this comes as no small thing to, for me to say that my favorite volume thus far in the series has been the 1950s volume uh-huh. that Bill wrote. Mm-hmm. Because it goes against the grain of like the conventional thinking about comics history, mm-hmm. but in a way that's so systematic in detail that it's very persuasive. Because, you know, the common, per, the common refrain is that comics died when EC died, and that Comics started to revive when with uh, showcase number one and or number four rather in the Flash, and then slowly started to come back to life in the mm-hmm. uh, late 1950s. But in fact, during that whole era, comics were selling more copies than they ever had before, mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. like Stanley and Barks were producing great comics as well as hundreds, if not thousands. Wasn't of them. it the collapse of independent news that really? Yeah. Um... Yeah, and dealt the, the blow to comics. Yeah, and there is the there is the bankruptcy of Marvel during that time too. The, yeah. There's a 50, 56 crash, I think, and a fifty eight crash, uh, but ultimately those actually ended up being positive effects in the industry as well. 
Um, but like Dell Comics were selling in the millions of copies during mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. Sure. And even the most workmanlike Dell Comics of the 1950s are highly professional, really high quality work. And Bill very persuasively, just by showing as many details as he can from the era, makes the case that what came out during that era may not fit the contemporary fan's viewpoint, but actually from an aesthetic standpoint is really powerful and important. And it just strikes me, actually, thinking that he was in the first generation of comics fan and was actually writing those narratives. And his book, in some ways, is going against what he had been kind of absorbing for a lot of his mm-hmm. time in fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's to his credit that he, he went back and did the research and, and uh, may have upended his own prejudices. And he well, fit- when, did, when did Fawcett stop publishing Captain Marvel? Because that was selling a million copies oh. uh, for an issue. 56? Yeah, 55 or 56, yeah. I think. Yeah. The, the new volume he was working on, uh, which was also set in the 50s. Um, it was 45. 45 oh, no, 45. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's, okay, 45 yeah. to 50. Because yeah. Roy had that's wanted what, knew, two volumes on the 40s. I was, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> of course yeah, he did. Yeah. Yes. But he, he, my understanding from talking to him was he, he did finish the rough draft of that book. And hmm. he sent it back to the publisher when he realized he couldn't, he wasn't going to be able to finish the Yes, quite the a bit done, yeah. And yeah. he had done, like, he, he'd done his work extraordinarily quickly on it. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> did he think he couldn't finish it? He, he, oh, yeah. He, right he didn't fi- think he could finish the polish. He was, he was, uh, okay, he, was he was in a lot of pain those last. I know his last book with you was his most successful in some ways, at least it's well. In a way, in a way, I mean, it sold. Well, I mean, it didn't sell as many as Kurtzman, oh, but it, it didn't. sold out okay. faster. Okay. No, because I printed fewer copies than okay. Kurtzman. But but you're going back. To, we're going back to press, and, in the and, summer, and that's yeah. why I said it's. It could conceivably. Yeah. Outsell Kurtzman, which I would consider to be slightly perverse, but. Yeah, but I mean, he was still, still yeah. on an upswing. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I think he had. I think he had. Um, you know, his best years ahead of him as a biographer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the Kurtzman book is a big burden, sure. you know, to, yeah. how do you top pretty, that or how do you, how do you right. match that? That's hard to do, but, um, but I think he could have done, I mean, if he did Ditko, that would be fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just, I mean, Ditko, um, you know, despite his kind of one-dimensional and obsessive personality, I mean, he had a fascinating career right i mean as an independent cartoonist and working for the you know all the mainstream companies um and just his um you know pig-headed attitude toward that's right he had a complicated relationship with ditko oh he did well he pissed ditko off a couple of times (laughs) yeah i thought you could only piss him off once (laughs) (laughs) amazingly (laughs) he did it twice and he still got him Ditko to do something for him after that. Yeah. Oh, how how Bill piss him off? Oh, he ran a ran a Mr. A piece of art. First of all, he ran a piece of art without asking. Ran it on the cover. The, the drawing he sent him yeah, as a cover, right? Ditko, which, if at that age you don't understand, right? Yeah, right. And then he got a Mr. A. Oh, there it is. So it was this, a yeah. This, this cover for right, Sense of Wonder. Right. right. He sent it to to uh, Bill. Uh, Ditko didn't remember him, so he's like, "Okay, I'll send this drawing out to somebody." And um, Bill pr- printed it on pink paper. Uh oh. 
Kami paper. <laughs> no, no, no. But Mr. A should be on black, black and, and white. Black or white, yeah. Because black or white. everything's black or white. Yeah, that's a huge faux pas. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you can piss Dick off without knowing you're doing it. I mean, sometimes you can do it deliberately, but right. which, I, which I did, but sometimes you can do it without knowing. <laughs> right. To paraphrase, he wrote, I am shocked and dismayed that you printed a cover featuring Mr. A, whose credo was that there's only black and white with no shades of gray on colored paper. It goes against the whole basis of the character. It should have been printed in black ink on white paper only. Why is it that I get burned every time I do something for the fan press? Betrayed again. <laughs> Betrayed again. You know, one of the things I, I've, I've never understood about this book is... I mean, my my sister-in-law, who was over at Christmas when Bill came over, uh, and, and she's gay, and, and he's gay. Maybe that they bonded somewhat over that. But I think she read the book, and she really enjoyed it, and she doesn't know anything about comics. And I've, I've never... Hmm. And this, I think this book did okay, but did it just sell to the comics fans? But there's something in here that is... Parts of it are so <clears throat> universal... Did you, did you get that feeling when I you read it? I felt that way too. Yeah, it, it, it well, it certainly made me think about hmm. my years. And even though I never got into the, I mean, I bought fanzines, I bought some Rocket Black, you know, or ABCs yeah, yeah. and and journals and uh, so forth. Uh, but uh, I never had uh, an urge to write for them. I, of course, I actually I I I wrote. A little bit for I actually sold a script to uh, Gold Key when I was in college, right out of college. Huh. Um, I did a Daffy Duck script. Wow. <laughs> then I didn't do any comics for like ten years. I yeah. was working in newspapers. And yeah. I came back and started doing Disney, but um, huh. Um, um, but so much, so many things in there just reminded me of my comics life. It reminded me of things I went through in life and so forth. It's a very universal book in that way, but it's also very specifically about comics and I, I've just never it feels like it it should have a really narrow audience, but at the same time it's got the oldest stuff that I that my sister in law enjoyed and so forth. Oh huh, yeah, I would have thought that it would be mostly comics. It's not. Readers. It's not the golden age of comic fandom, which is very strictly chronicling yeah, comics yeah. fandom. As a memoir, I think it's clear that like his love of fandom is an expression of himself. Right. And I think right. I think and you can apply that to music or something else. Right. Right. And the bespoke mm-hmm. nature of what he was getting into at that time was also like maybe friends trading stories or cassettes or whatever. Yeah. And did you feel? Did, is that the kind of impression you got? Yeah, yeah, and and there's also this sense of that I think many of us have, certainly those of us who grew up in comics, but the sense of isolation. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, which most people have to some degree as a teenagers anyway. But I think he was able to express so many things that we don't think about, but that you know, I, I was I was reading this like he answered. He addressed things that, oh, this is what I'd want to know about this, and and he and he, he gets to it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't he doesn't shy away from it. And I think uh, I know you haven't read it, but um, it's a very revealing memoir in many ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, and 
at the same time he was such a private person. Well, I think it's revealing in both on the surface and what he talks about, and what he and also the way he talks about and what he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's kind of this gap. Because he writes he it with he writes answer. it with that late Shelley grace, I think is a way of putting it. He just had a very graceful way of writing. Right. That I kind of envy. Yeah, he didn't really get in. He says. And I was dating a lot, and then like most gay guys, I was mostly, uh, not, I wasn't looking for Mr. Right, I was looking for Mr. Right now, you know, and uh, he, he didn't get into all of that, he just kind of glossed over it, mm-hmm. uh, which is very Bill-like, yep. And, yep. but he got to sort of the emotional highlights of his life, yeah. and he was very honest about that, about it. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. And it, it it's a memoir that reads well as what it is, but also it's just more revealing of him as a person. Mm-hmm. You really feel like you've spent some amount of time just hearing him, and you can almost feel the gestures and the way he tended to speak. Yeah, and again, that's why it was so... I, it, I really resisted getting the audio book, but I'm glad I did, just because I wanted to mm-hmm. hear, hear it in my head in Bill's voice, but... Is it well done? Yeah, I thought it was well done. Um, well, Bill was not emotionally demonstrative. Is that your um, experience? Yeah, he was more cheerful, polite than yes. demonstrative. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And he, and he could express concern for you, but I never saw him even... During, you know, and I was over at his house a couple times a week, and it wasn't like I was there for a real long time. Yeah. But and, and I was struggling with something health-wise myself. So, I, and anyway, yeah. um, uh, but uh, but I never saw him get really down. You know, mm. I'm sure he must have. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he would be a little down that he couldn't do this or that. But but he never got all you know i never saw him really depressed yeah right no i i never did either it's so it's 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 even kind of hard to imagine him kind but of. i never i never saw him laugh uproariously either have you i was trying to think i mean i went i've seen when, him laugh when i was when i was but, yeah so like we were just talking about that outside also he always seemed like a very emotionally reserved person not necessarily in a yeah. bad way just very kind of centered in his own yeah self really and centered a, yeah and approach to things and yeah. um something very admirable about someone who's so i don't know i know he did have a sense of humor yes yeah. he did but he did. but i i never saw him uh, you know fall on the ground right right laughing i, I was i mean you know when i was writing my piece about it, i was you know trying to plumb my memories to all of our interactions and so on and I thought and I could be wrong about this but I thought I really you know I never really heard him laugh mm. you know out loud I mean what what he seemed what I thought he did was if someone said something funny or said something witty or something he would smile and say that's good <laughs> right he would like, acknowledge I think I made him chuckle a couple humor, times, but, but um but yeah I mean he was yeah. part of that reserve yeah. but you know the paradox is I was, <clears throat> I was trying to figure this out too that there was also warmth to him. Oh, yeah. So even though he was emotionally reserved, oh, yeah. there was also a warmth. You know, and, and, and you know, we just kind of got 
closer slowly over the last, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I peg it from the Kurtzman book. Um, I went through, a, I went, I went through a lot of our emails as you. Yeah, I did. did. I did the same. I've got a voicemail voicemail from him asking me to get him uh, uh, egg McMuffin, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. But you know, I went through my I went through my emails and um, we exchanged a lot more emails than I realized mm -hmm. um, about the Kubert book and um, you know, in between. And well, there were three Kubert books, and, mm -hmm. and um, there were a lot a lot more emails, and they were a lot more um jocular that i remembered them okay. i mean some of them were just pure you know business sure. and questions and answers and dealing with um pragmatic stuff but um but you know but a lot of them were, were um, yeah funny or yeah it was um i i think he you know if you were going through something i'm not that i think i ever went through anything heavy duty with him but he, you know he was concerned about what's going on with you or something but but yeah, he yeah. he never dumped anything big from him you know it was yeah. it was so even even when you went to his place when he had sure. this, this trouble diagnosis you felt like he was still pretty even about it all yeah surprisingly so but but he was also really tired one of the few times I heard him complain about things was like reviews of his books like oh they said I didn't there wasn't yeah didn't yeah. uncover them I mean all of it such and such and such and such had already been uncovered and but it was yeah, like would do nobody that. had ever put it all together the way Bill had plus the new stuff but yeah, yeah he would complain occasionally about, about uh, comments or reviews um but you know I mean he took so much pride in his work that he, he I mean, every author probably takes this, that stuff personally. Well, I hope so. Hard not to. I certainly do. <laughs> so you both said that you hadn't ever seen him uproariously laugh. I think ever seen him. I don't remember either. that, I'm you know? I, I mean, and, and I spent a lot of time with him um, at my place, you know, for dinners and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so he's kind of in the middle. Yeah. Never, never too high or too low. I think I, aside made, from I, think I made him laugh, but it wasn't like yeah. huge. So ang not anger either. Then. Well, he, I, I saw him get angry a couple of times. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there were there would be like minor things that would kind of set him off. I mean, he never yelled or anything like that, but he would he would get you know, <laughs> he would right. get a little a little upset yeah. over something. Um, um, and to me, these these were relatively minor things, but he was uh, he would clearly like obsess about them. Such as, do you remember? You know, the, the the most recent thing I remembered was during the production of the Warren book. Um, he, let me see, I'm trying, let me try to get the time frame right. It was a few months before we were actually going to put the book into production. And I think he just casually asked me or, or wanted to confirm that the book would have a jacket. And I didn't even think anything of it. And I said, sure. You know, oh, some of our books have jackets, some of our books don't have jackets, and, uh, you know, I don't really care one way or the other. And, uh, and, and the Kurtzman book had a jacket. And, uh, and I just very um, peremptorily said, sure. And then the book went into production, 
and the designer, Keely McCarthy, was working on it. And one day she came to me and I said, you know, and she said, I think this, I think the, the, the perfect packaging for this book would be to have um, um, paper, uh, printed on paper, the cover would be printed on paper and then glued onto the, onto the binding. Mm -hmm. And I said, sure. <laughs> Without remembering, I was contradicting myself. Right. And so, to me, that was no big deal. It was like right. I trust our, our designer, and she, you know, she explained what her what her idea was, and that sounded like a great idea at the time. And of course, I didn't even remember that I told right. Billy to have his jacket. So I guess at some point, Bill caught wind of it. Like Keely must have mentioned it to him or something like that. And to me, this was like completely meaningless. But right. then, you know. Bill either sent me an email or called me up and said, what, what happened to my jacket? <laughs> and I said, oh, I promised you a jacket? He said, yeah, you said you know, you said I would have a jacket. I said, well, okay, well, let me, you know, let me think about this. So I, had to, I talked to the designer, and the designer said, well, you know, I mean, the, the, I have a really great idea for this, and I think it would be appropriate for the book. Mm -hmm. And so I really had to finesse Bill mm -hmm. and explain to him. He thought that having a jacket was classier. Mm -hmm. Right. And prestigious. That yeah. Might have been true ten or twenty years ago, but it's not true anymore. And so I had to explain to him that that's we're not doing it. We don't want to do this to save money. We don't want to do this to make the book cheap. Mm -hmm. uh, we're doing it because we think it's the best thing for the book. And so we talked it out. And I, it took him a couple of days, and he called me back and he said, "Okay, I think you're right." If, but if, I think he knew right. that we had the best interests of him and the book in, in mind and I think he knew that but he had to get over this because yeah. you know because he obviously envisioned this book with a jacket for right. you know right. three years or something right um, but he was caught up on it for but you know a few weeks you know for him everything was about making the best book he could yes so that was his vision absolutely originally. but he did mention to me oh I've got here's the book here's the book it was supposed to have a dust jacket, <laughs> but, but he was okay with it by that time. Yeah, uh, almost yeah. semi-apologetically, Yeah, oh. but he was—he was—he was, he was upset. He was initially like upset. Yeah. Uh, oh God, we have to deal with Bill uh, being upset. I never heard him swear, ever. I don't think. No. 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 Um, I. Um, it seems well, you know, him. Bill was also yeah. a solitary guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I have to admit, I haven't read his autobiography. But, you know, for, as long as I knew him, he, he was single. Right. Now, I don't know if he was single his whole life or, or if he had boyfriends or... He dated uh, early on, it sounds like. But, right. Yeah, but he alludes I to it. doesn't sound like he had anything close for, yeah. for a long, 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 long time. I'm like, I can't remember us talking. We talked about the person I would call Mario. Right. Um, we talked about him a lot, but I don't remember us talking. I mean, I'm sure I, I'm sure I did because I'm kind of a snoop, so I, I probably would have asked him. But I don't remember him telling me that he ever had, you know, a long-term serious relationship. And, and um, yeah. And so if you don't have that, yeah. you know, I mean, if you don't have that encumbrance in quotation marks, right. you know, then you have a lot, you you know, you have a lot more freedom to do something else. That's and, true. And um, 
I mean, I think that's a big part of it too. Um, at the same time, he did have two children. Um, yeah. And uh, one of the things I admired about him mm -hmm. is, is uh, and I had kids as, as well, but uh, uh, is how devoted he was and how balanced he was about that. Um, yeah. Um, without going into a lot of stuff, we both lost, had children die. Oh, and God. And um, so uh, that was something else we shared. And uh, yeah, and I under... That. Thank you. Uh, but he... he uh, I knew he turned down some opportunities to, where he could have publicized himself or go to more conventions and so forth. And I'd had a, a, a child die a few years before for his and when he turned me down to to uh, you know to speak at a, at a local cartoonist group i understood why and i and and i thought gee that's really i i wish i had some of those times back that i you know from before my daughter died and and i just mm -hmm. i really respected uh uh, his devotion and, um, I, I and, have to and admit, his balance. I have to admit, I I never knew how active he was in the, in the two kids. Apparently, I mean, quiet. I know that the I, I know that there were two women, right, um, who were living together. Who I assume the kids lived with, but I'm not 100 percent sure. That I kind of assume that's the yeah. way it was. That's um, what he talks about in here. Uh, until they divorced, and then the kids were split between the two couples. I see. Um, and then Bill had visiting, they visit with Bill for one day a week, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. right. And he talks about going to the movies and hanging out with them and yeah, you know, right, just yeah, the normal right. thing that you would do with, uh, right. with kids. But he makes a point of spending a lot of time with them. And the chapter about Jameson's illness is very moving. Because right. it's clear that like Jameson had gone through his, his illness, uh, gone through the cancer diagnosis once right. and had beaten it. And yeah. gone and back to school and finished with his high school class, and um, just seemed to have the whole world in his hands. Right. And then the cancer recurred, and um, right. it seems like so much of Bill's life was around making the his life, his son's yeah, life, yeah, as yeah. positive as possible. Right. Right. Um, during those last few days, I mean, anyone who's been to his house sees that picture of Jameson right front and center mm. on his fireplace. Yeah. It. Uh... Yeah, I never understood how Bill handled it as well as he did. Because I, I think if that happened to me, my, you know, I'd be a complete fucking wreck for the rest of my life. And I would talk to him about Jameson occasionally. Mm -hmm. And he would talk about him very straightforwardly. I mean, mm -hmm. there was never a catch in his throat or anything. Right. Just, I think, especially I mean, especially after enough times passed, you're, 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 you're actually happy to talk about that. You, um, he seemed what, to have made peace with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was telling you before we came in, I'd, uh, my work appeals to a lot of uh, the gay community for, for, for whatever reasons, and um, so I've been invited to uh, table with them at convention, conventions, which has worked out well for me. And Bill would see me, you know, at Emerald City with uh, Prism Comics, and I guess he must have thought I was okay with, um, you know, with being gay and so forth. And so first time I went over to his house, I was, he was showing me around, and I saw a book, and I go, 
that's that's an unusual book for a, a straight guy to have. I didn't say that out loud. He said, oh, you know I'm gay, right? And I go, no, I didn't know. Well, you know, it was fine, but... Uh, yeah, he mentioned it, ex- it equally as casually to me yeah, at one yeah. point. And I thought, what's my reaction supposed to be? I don't particularly care. This is your no, choice. No, no, no. Not even but, your choice. This is who you are. Yeah, I just, it just had never come up, you know? Yeah, right, right. Well, why would it, right? Right. Yeah. Well, especially since he wasn't in a relationship most of the time. Yeah, yeah. He, he was never in a relationship um, that I knew of, except for this last relationship did you, did you read that piece i wrote in the journal yeah i did yeah um, yeah and then he talks and he, and he mentions him he talks about the biography yeah right. quite a bit in the biography um, does he talk about him quite a bit or just yeah a bit? yeah okay. in fact he's he gets mentioned in the last few pages right. and right. there's two there's, full page two full chapters that more or less talk I about didn't him ask him too much about that did they continue uh were they still in touch? to the best of my knowledge um yes my wife was always asking <clears throat> How's Bill's love life? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I'm not. Um, like yes, yeah, so to the best of my knowledge, they yeah, were good. they were still in touch um, good. until he died. Yeah. Um, and that that must have been the last, I don't know, two and a half years of his life, mm-hmm, something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's, it's kind of a fascinating. I mean, it's a fascinating love story because it's so complicated mm-hmm. and unorthodox. Mm-hmm. Right. Because never, they never met up. They well, never, they never got together after. Oh, recently. At, okay. In his most recent incarnation. Right. He mentions well, he, they were trading 20 emails a day or something. But they, but they did not get together. They never got no, together. I wondered about that. I wondered no. if he. But he seemed per, perfectly content. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he was not told frustrated. Me he wasn't. That. I don't think he was that concerned about the physical stuff at that I don't point. think so. I don't think so. I think I, I, I think, think the connection meant, it, meant more to him. Right, right. Uh, yeah, he says on page 408, Am I single now? Not really. Mario and, I, Mario and I live a continent apart, so it's going to take some figuring and patience to see how our relationship develops. But in my heart, and in his, in his we are together. We like to say we live together on Love Street. Yeah. Interestingly, it's right above a picture of him at his desk. Right, right. Very symbolically right. close to his heart. I read his book, uh, A Sense of Wonder, of course. Actually, it was I've read both versions of the book. But uh, more recently, uh, since he died, I, I got the audio version of the book, which I had resisted for a long... I listened to a lot of audio books, but I resisted because oh. I didn't want to listen to his story with somebody else's right. voice. But I did get it and I listened and it, I'm glad I did. Um, I must have gone through some parts of the book too quickly because there were some parts that really mm. hit me this time going through and we got to the very last couple of pages, you know, the last chapter and I thought, God, that is so brave of him to bring up Mario because you never know where a relationship's going to go mm-hmm. and you don't know by the mm-hmm. end by the time the book's published you could have could break up or something like that but but then to get to the very end where he's I don't think this runs the book for anybody but uh where he's talking about how he wants he's he's in good health and and yeah. things are going well and yeah. he can't wait to because he, he wants mm. every book to be better and so forth. And it was just, 
it was both inspiring and kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're all in good health until we're not. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, even though I don't remember seeing him, you know, laughing a lot um, or at all, uh, he did have a good sense of humor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and, and you did see, you know, you did see everything. Um, I mean, you watch dopey superhero movies and bad superhero TV shows, but then. You know, you saw foreign films. Right. Um, you know, you really had an expertise. Um, Hitchcock. American uh, yeah. films. Yeah. From the, um, you know, 30s through the 50s. He was very well acquainted with, with them. Uh, I remember I was having a long conversation about the French film director Melville. Um, John Benson and I are having a, having a, a colloquy about um, who influenced uh, Bill most about Melville because I guess he and Bill, he and John had a had a an email exchange about Melville and then around the same time Bill came over to my place and we watched um, I think it's called Two Men in Manhattan hmm. and mm-hmm. it's an obscure Melville film and not one of his best but one of his weirdest ones it's, just, <laughs> it's very un-Melvillian you know it, I, I mean, I kind of liked it for the, for the perverse fact that it was so uncharacteristic of Melville. It was not violent, mm-hmm. very quiet, kind of subdued. Mm. Um, but I remember talking to t- talking to everybody there about Melville, and um, then a couple months later, I saw Bill, and he said he'd rented every Melville film. And, really? And saw them all. Must have gone to Scarecrow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he got them all in Scarecrow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So you know, so he you know he would investigate when yeah. when, uh, when yeah. someone brought something to his attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I can tell you the kind of movie he didn't like. He he had no interest in animation at all. Mm. Okay. Interesting. As a comic fan, you would expect him to you be. You would. You would think so. Attracted to that um, at some level. Yeah, I, I don't remember t- ever talking to him about an animated film. Yeah. Well, it's probably just because. You know, we were going to movies, so, you know, like, you interested in this? No, no. But, um, um, yeah. But he, he was well-rounded. Yeah, he was. When I spoke to him, and I, you know, I'll never be able to figure this out. It'll be, you know, one of God's own mysteries. But I spoke to him, I don't know, two and a half weeks or so before he died. Okay. And he, he explained what he had. He explained the cancer. He explained... Uh, you know, he first told me a month or so earlier that he broke a rib, right. maybe two months earlier. Right. And uh, he was in a lot of pain, and I said, oh, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that. And, you know, but a rib will heal. Right, figured, right. You know, mm-hmm. He was in pretty good health. So then a month later, he calls me up and says, well, you know, I've still, I've still been in pain, and now they discovered that I didn't break one rib or four ribs. Right. So I'm like thinking, how could they not know that you know yeah. so i said okay well that explains why you know your feeling is worse than than you should with one rib broken and he said well you know now i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna get over this and blah 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 then about two and a half weeks before he died he called me up and told me about the cancer right. but he was incredibly optimistic right he told me that his doctor this is based on his what his doctors told him that he was going to beat it uh he was going to go into chemo um, in fact, he even told me that the chemo treatment he was scheduled for was a lighter version of it, so he wasn't going to be as sick 
as people can get on chemo, which implied that the cancer wasn't as severe. At least that was my interpretation. But he was very optimistic. He said, "I'm gonna, I, you know, I think I have three, three, four, five more years. I'm gonna keep writing." Okay. I have a different take on that. But okay. Go, but go ahead. But I was, you know, I was as optimistic as Bill. I figured, okay, you'll get through this, and then you'll be, you know, you'll bounce back, and you'll be, uh, you know, writing and uh, coming to Noir Nights again. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I heard about those. You know, and I don't think he was bullshitting me. No. I mean, he sounded quite genuine about it. Yeah, um, I have a little bit different take on that. I actually made notes because I had emails from him because, um, like, the morning, we were going to go to a movie, and I I, uh, emailed him, and uh, he wrote back to me that he'd, uh, let's see, it was in June. June 10th, anyway, he, uh, I emailed him, and he emailed me back that, oh, I'm sorry, I can't go because uh, I hurt my back. That yes. was his, what he yes. thought first. And um, then as time went on and he was still wasn't getting well uh, and we were supposed to get together with a mutual friend who was visiting from out of town, I picked up the books that Bill wanted to give to, the, to our friend and, and um, um, he apologized that he couldn't make it. He was just in too much pain. And then, and I think it was around then he told me that, oh, I broke a rib. And then it was four ribs. Um, Then later, I was, yeah, it was only like three weeks maybe before, I mean, I can look at my notes, but about three weeks before he died that he, he started getting the feeling from the doctor that uh, there was something wrong with the blood cells in his bones and and he started getting um, he, he had he said to me um, you know if this doesn't turn out okay I'm I'm okay I'm okay mm-hmm. because and he said that apparently did to you yes you're saying yes, and he, he said it to another friend wow. that because I've accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish. Wow. I was going to mention that he said that in the same conversation that he expressed such optimism that he right. could get through this, he also said, you know, I forget how he put it, but he basically said that, well, you know, if things don't turn out well, I'm very happy with what I've done. Right. And I was wondering at the time why he mm. said that if he was so certain right. that he was going to okay. get through. Okay, well, I've got something about that. What he told me... Um, um, when he told me he had cancer was that it was not curable right uh, which which is which is a little bit of a difference yeah and and but that it was something they could treat yeah but he also told me he was in stage three or four which immediately my alarms went up um which i've later read about was a multiple whatever. They, got, they usually don't discover it until you're in your third or fourth okay. stage uh, um, hmm. um, but, and I was reading about it later and typically, you know, there's like a 50% chance that you can live two to five years. So right. he, so I think he was, and, and there's a good chance you could live beyond that. But so I th- hmm. think he was optimistic about that, but he was also recognizing that there was a, there was a limit down there somewhere mm-hmm. and there's a limit for all of us but it's something different when you actually get 
the yeah. word from a doctor. So yeah. I think he was optimistic, but at the same time, he was having to accept that he was mortal in a way that most of us don't have to do on yeah. a daily basis. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, he said the same thing. He said he, uh, he, he he's pleased. He was pleased with what he accomplished, right. and um, you know, content with um, yeah with his achievement. And and I think um, um, this brings up something else I was talking to Jason about before. But Bill didn't want people to know that he was sick for a long time, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and it wasn't until like after the cancer diagnosis, maybe the last couple weeks before he died, he said it was okay to tell people, but uh, but he didn't want calls, people getting all weepy and, and so forth, and mm -hmm. we talked a little bit, I said, yeah, I know, we had both gone through stuff, and you don't kind of want to be comforting other people while you're all dealing with your own grief right now right. and uh, um, right. but by the time he said it was okay to tell people we thought <clears throat> we thought he had another two to five years so there wasn't any big rush to you know give people the bad news right, right. which I think is in a way unfortunate because it just made really hard for people when he just vanished off the face of the earth like that yeah yeah. Yeah. A lot of people I knew were shocked. No, oh, yeah. yeah. No. But Bill's death sort of reawakened this sense of, of uh, you got to hold on to the people you, you know, appreciate who you've got sure. and what you've got while you've got it. Yeah. Yeah. And also a bit of legacy. Yeah. Bill leaves behind a great legacy. He does. He does. I, I understand that um, his archives are going to go to Brown University. I know it's going to one of the universities. Yeah. I don't remember which. Uh, yeah. I, don't I, know why, I don't know why that one. He but, mentions um, that. But, I, but it's important. Um, yeah, all those fancy yeah. All of his stuff yeah, yeah. should remain together as a, as a great resource. Mm -hmm. he, he must have had a good you know, great, great fanzine collection. Like I said, he became the guy who people would send fanzines to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he actually talked in the book about how his research actually make made fanzines more expensive because people started looking for. Him. So if he yeah, wanted to get one himself, it was now more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad that's going somewhere. I have. Um, I got a question for you. Um, why do you think there weren't more? Why do you think there was only one Bill Shelley? And I don't. I mean, obviously there's only one Bill Shelley, but why don't we well, have more histories of, you know, biographies of people and and why? And well, when we all, do, why aren't they as good? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's a, I mean, every other biography of a cartoonist was written by a professional biographer. I mean, mm -hmm. someone who does biographies, not just of cartoonists, but of, you know, literary figures or so on. So and David McKellis did a biography of uh, Andrew Wyeth, I think, before he did Schultz. Mm -hmm. um, so they're not really part of the comics community. So, yeah, I mean, I'm trying, I mean, I don't think any biographer of a cartoonist was really 
part of the cartooning community first. That makes it. Those the only one. Now you might ask, why didn't fandom create more Bill Shelley's? Mm -hmm. I think the answer to that's fairly obvious, which is that fandom is composed of fans who are by nature. You know, they're fanatical for a while, and then they become dilettantes, and then they get out. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, they don't have the staying mm -hmm. power. Right. You know, a few of us do. Um, and Bill is just the only one who did what he did. It um, really was. You know, who, who was either crazy enough or, um, you know, loved the medium enough or, or whatever to stick with it. I mean, most, you know, like you said, most people, you know, they get jobs, they get families, mm -hmm. they have to earn a living, they can't indulge these kinds of things anymore. Well, this was entirely pleasurable. Well, it was. Yeah, it was. I hope you got something. I got a lot of some things. Okay. A lot of work tomorrow. Oh, thank you.